Well, Happy New Year's, everyone. I am Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, and I'm excited that you're joining me for Faith for the Journey. It's just a podcast to really help us to know, understand, and apply the Word of God to our lives. Happy New Year. It's 2021, and I know all of you are excited that we're in a new year. And I know we're all setting those New Year goals or resolutions, and one being physical fitness, right? Of course. Every year, we all start out the year with physical fitness goals. Well, today, I'd like to discuss spiritual fitness. I'd like us to keep the year in mind. And as we establish physical fitness goals, I'd like all of us to establish spiritual fitness goals. So today, I'd like to spend this podcast discussing spiritual fitness. Spiritual fitness. I'd like to use as our scriptural basis, 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 6 through 8. Again, 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verses 6 through 8. Let's take a moment to read what Timothy states. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So today, I want to talk about spiritual fitness. Basically, I want to talk about godliness. My objective is for us to learn, understand, and apply the behaviors that lend themselves to godliness, or if I, if I, if you will allow me to substitute the word godliness for spiritual fitness, because I believe that if you are godly and growing in godly, then you are spiritually fit. So the first question, what is godliness? What is godliness? Well, Godliness is reverence, respect, piety, and affinity towards God. But specifically, it's when you say towards God, what you're saying is that you have a re respect and a desire to, to know God, to obey God for who he is, for what he does, for how he does things, his way of thinking, and his way of responding. Godliness is you or I having an inclination, a disposition, a respect, an affinity towards, a desire to obey God. Specifically, who he is, what he does, how he does things, his way of thinking, and his way of responding. It's important to note that godliness is very prescribed in the word of God. Godliness is not something that we create on our own. Godliness is not something we define on our own. Godliness is mentioned in the scripture and there is a framework, if you will, for godliness. First Timothy, the third chapter, verse 16 reads and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness 
God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. You see, godliness begins with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came that we might be justified. Why did we have to be justified? Very quickly, because of the sin of Adam, all humanity is sinful. Therefore, in order to have a relationship with God, we must be justified. We must be declared righteous before God. Jesus Christ came to live, to die on the cross, and he rose on the third day that we might receive the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ died on the cross in our stead so that we can take on his righteousness. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus for your salvation, then you are the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. Godliness is profitable in this life, as I just read in the scripture. Not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Since it's profitable, meaning it's useful, it's advantageous, it's helpful, it's valuable, it's beneficial, it's fruitful, it's informative, it's well spent, and it's rewarding. Second Peter 1 and 8 reads, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and godliness is one of the qualities that he mentions, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, godliness allows us to be fruitful. It gives us a degree of assurance. It helps us to persevere through this life and maintain our faithfulness. And ultimately, it will result in eternal blessings as it will give us access to eternity in the presence of God. Hopefully, hopefully you will understand that godliness, that godliness, that reverence and respect, piety and affinity towards God for who he is, for what he does or how he does things, his way of thinking and his way of responding. Hopefully you will understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, then we should be pursuing godliness. That's how we will be spiritually fit. So we've asked the question or we've answered the question, what is godliness? The next question, what are actions that lend themselves to godliness? This year, I want us to focus on seven, seven actions, verbs, if you will, that will help establish, create godliness in our lives. It's important, as you've already heard, in order to be spiritually fit. The first action, believing and accepting God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 and 2 reads, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
So the first action is believing and accepting God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. When you accept God's righteousness, that's the work of justification, where you have basically accepted the substitute for your sin, Jesus Christ, who lived and died on the cross and rose again on the third day. But justification is one process. Sanctification is another process. So today, when I talk about pursuing godliness, I am really talking about the process of sanctification, of becoming more and more like God and becoming more and more useful, if you will, to God. So again, the first action, I want you to believe and accept God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. The second action, we should read, study, and do the word of God. James 1 verses 21 through 25 reads, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and continues in it and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Oh, isn't that amazing how he went from hearing the word to doing the work. And the truth of the matter is, if you are hearing the word, the word will give you work to do. It will give you work to do. It will help you work on your character. It will help you work on your attitude. It will help you work on your life. It will help you work on anything that needs to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Second Timothy, the third chapter, verse 16 reads, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the word is very important. Again, I said you should read, study and do the word of God. We need to spend daily time in the word of God. Once you have accepted believed and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness, then you should make it a priority to study, to read and to do his word. As we just read, the hearers of the word are not justified. It's the doers of the word that are justified. So I want you to think of areas in your life this year that, you know, you need to get into the word and read and study and most of all you need to do do the word do the work of the word in your life the third thing after the first thing accepting and believing on the righteousness that God has reading studying and doing the word number two the third thing is spending time in prayer daily spending time in prayer 30 
Remember, we're talking about spiritual fitness. Just like physical fitness, you want to condition yourself to have stamina and to be able to endure more, run longer, breathe better, better heart, blood pressure, better heart condition, etc. Prayer also helps us to condition ourselves spiritually. Jude, the 20 and the 21st verse reads, but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. And he mentions praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit means just praying the word, praying the will of God, praying the mind of God, praying the heart of God, praying that which God has spoken to us through his word. Because the Holy Spirit only gives witness to what has been spoken through the word of God. Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7 tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus so prayer is important and if there is a reason to pray and there will be a many we ought to spend time in prayer spend time talking to God Spend time reminding God of his word. Spend time thanking God for his word. Spend time agreeing with the word of God. Spend time just telling God what he said. Reminding God about his word. And just letting God know what's on your heart. What's on your mind. How much you trust him. And how much you believe in him. Spending time. In prayer so the first thing believing and accepting God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ the second thing read study and do the Word of God number three spend time in prayer every day number four is worship and be continually filled with the Spirit I know, I know you were filled with the spirit when you believed and you are right, because in order to be a member of the body of Christ, you had to be baptized into the body of Christ by the spirit of God. However, Ephesians 5 verses 18 through 21 tells us, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. And how do we know when you're filled with the spirit? Well, four actions will follow. He said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, number one. Two, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Number three, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And number four, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Worship allows you to receive of God. As you focus on him, he empowers you. He imbues you 
with his spirit. He fills you with his spirit. It's sort of like driving a car. Once you fill it with gas and you use that gas up, the car is very useful. It just needs some more gas once it runs out of gas. Well, every now and then you've got to be filled with the spirit of God. That means you've got to not just have the spirit of God, but he's got to fill your mind, your thoughts, your actions, your words. Feel means it basically it comes out of you. And so you'll notice that these four things are actions. Speaking. Singing. Giving thanks. Submitting yourselves. Being filled with the Spirit of God results in actions that are obvious in your life. So I want all of us to worship and be continually filled with the Spirit. So the first thing, believing and accepting God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, read, study and do the word of God. Number three, spend time in prayer. Number four, worship and be continually filled with the spirit. And number five is an area that we all can work on. I want all of us to love one another. First John, the fourth chapter, verses seven through twenty one. And I'll read them all because they're very important tells us beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God he who does not love does not know God for God is love in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him and this is love not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who, who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So I'm encouraging all of us to love, love, love. 
Second Peter, the first chapter, verses five through eight tells us, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness. Notice what he says to add to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm encouraging all of us to spend time loving one another this year. The first thing, believe and accept God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, read, study and do the word of God. Number three, spend time in prayer. Number four, worship and be continually filled with the spirit. Number five, love one another. Two more things I want you to do. Number six, think on good things. Philippians four verses eight through nine reads, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Your thought life is very important this year, every year. So we need to make sure, especially with all that's going on and that will occur, we need to ensure that our thought life is focused on things that are good. And the scripture tells us exactly the type of things we should be thinking about. Think on good things. So, number one, believe, accept God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, read, study, and do the word of God. Number three, spend time in prayer. Number four, worship and be continually filled with the spirit. Number five, love one another. Number six, think on good things. And number seven, which is most important, live in community with other believers. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 reads, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's so important, believers, that we live in community with other believers because it's in community that we are able to exhort one another and provoke one another to good works in a good way. We can help. Iron sharpens iron. We can help one another. We can stir up love and good works in one another. We can be those accountability persons in one another's lives. We should live in community with other believers and the scripture tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that really speaks of discipleship, living in community again 
with other believers, learning how to be a follower of Christ, realizing as Jesus modeled, he was in a community of believers. His disciples, Jesus was in community. His, his disciples lived in community throughout the book of of Acts. You could see the church living in community and therefore believers for 2000 plus years have lived in community. And so I'm encouraging all of us this year to live in community with other believers. So there you have it. Seven actions that will help you towards establishing godliness, strengthening and improving and growing in godliness in your life this year. Be being spiritually fit. Number one, believing and accepting God's righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, read, study and do the word of God. Number three, spend time in prayer. Number four, worship and be continually filled with the spirit. Number five, love one another. Number six, think on good things. Number seven, live in community with other believers. In my closing question, what are the benefits of godliness? I'll go back to how I started. The benefits would be fruitfulness, assurance. It, it, it will show you that you are actually saved when you can be like God. Perseverance. It will help you endure every situation for a lifetime. Be faithful for a lifetime. It won't. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes and you won't sin. Oh, you'll do those things. But at the end of the day, you will have a disposition and affinity towards the things of God. For the mind of God, the heart of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God. And then ultimately, godliness will result in eternal, eternal blessings. So I encourage all of us this year in 2021, let's get spiritually fit. Let's exercise ourselves towards godliness. Yes, do your bodily exercise, but just remember it only profits in this life. But godliness is advantageous for this life and also for the life to come. God bless everybody. I love all of you. Look forward to the day. Look forward to the day where I can see all of you face to face in whatever venue that might be. I pray that this Bible study is a blessing to your life. Just one tool that you can use as we are at home during this pandemic to just hear the word, to study the word, to do the word and to get grounded, get grounded in the things of God. I'm Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, and you've been listening to Faith for the Journey. Join me the next time. Join me the next time. I hope and pray that you will experience nothing but God's favor and victory throughout this new year. God bless all of you. And again, happy, happy new year.